Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. This is a special edition of the Groovy Podcast. Uh, my name is Ken Cousin, podcasting from Ypsilanti, Michigan, from the campus of Eastern Michigan University. And I have with me... So I'm Cédric Champeau. I'm podcasting from Montaigu, France. And yeah, happy to be there. That's just outside of Paris, isn't it? Oh, it's uh, about four, yeah, four or five hours drive oh. from Paris, actually. So, yeah, it's west of France. Oh, I just south of Brittany, if you know Brittany, it's south of Brittany. <clears throat> I'll have to use Google Maps, you know, to go find it. You, <laughs> you called it Montague, right? Montague, yeah. Ah, very nice. Uh, does that mean you're working from home? I am, yes. So, this is my office. And it's, yeah, I have the birds, it's sunny today, so everything is cool. Oh, wonderful. Whereas, as you can see, I'm in a room that has no windows or anything. Uh, the students are all working on a lab, although they're about to go to lunch. So we're about six hours difference. It's about six o'clock where you are, something like that? Exactly, yes. Yes, and I'm noon at the extreme edge of the Eastern time zone here in the U.S. Um, the reason for our podcast, of course, is one, we wanted to talk to you anyway. Uh, two is that we've been doing a series of special podcasts regarding speakers at the upcoming Great Conf in EU, which takes place next week. And three, of course, it's been a very active, about well, 10 days, hasn't it, in the yeah. Gradle community? Very exciting, isn't it? <laughs> that would certainly be one way to put it. What's the ancient <laughs> Chinese verse is, may you live in interesting times, right? Yes. <laughs> So let's let's build up more gradually. First of all, uh, I've known you for a number of years, and I know you've been very active in the Groovy community for a long time. When did you first start getting involved in, in Groovy? So I think it was maybe six or seven years ago, maybe more, actually. So I, I started to use Groovy uh, as a regular user. Uh, so I was working for a, a small company at that time, and we were building software for uh, natural language processing. And um, yeah, we had that, you know, in natural language processing, we, the, the, the natural thing to do is to use Perl. So you had, uh -huh. yeah, you had that language. <laughs> I heard of applications. By and, the way, uh, yeah. <clears throat> sorry about that. Uh, actually, yeah, I made a, yeah, I made a uh, a rule extraction engine for for that company that was uh, written Groovy and that used the DSL capabilities of Groovy to do it. So that's yeah, that's how I got into Groovy. Then I discovered some bugs and uh, had some yeah requirements for performance, and um, that's yeah basically how I had to to dig into the Groovy compiler and learn how it worked to to improve things. So, yeah, that 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 is basically how I discovered Ruby. Is that how you wound up becoming a committer for the language as well? Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So I think most of my major contributions came into Groovy 1.8, and it was around the DSL support. If you know the compilation customizers, typically that was that kind of stuff. So, so yeah. One one of the examples was the AST customizer that lets you uh, interrupt the scripts that are running ah, uh, after an nice. amount of time. Just you know, because 
when you give a DSL routine in Groovy to some users that are not programmers, it's really easy for them to, to write some things like infinite loops without even knowing. And you don't want that to be in production. So we had to, we had to imagine some tricks to, to, to capture that and make sure that the, the, the threads are interrupted on production. So yeah, I had to, I had to do it and then I back pocketed it in, in, in Groovy itself. The, uh, the last time I saw compilation customizers was when I was reading the, the DSL chapter in Groovy in Action. Uh, yeah. They came up a lot there. You worked on Groovy in Action. What parts of the books, the book were you involved in? So I was involved uh, in mainly in the um, uh, static compiler part, uh, so the type checking chapter. And, and I also contributed to the DSL chapter and the ESD transformations one. Very nice. Uh, so what eventually the next thing I knew, you wound up at Pivotal. How did you wind up there? So um, that's that's interesting, actually. It's an interesting story, yes. So, so I was a Groovy committer, and uh, Guillaume is also from France. So we had several occasions to talk together. And at one point, um, I yeah, I wanted to change and just changed the company I was working for. So I just asked Guillaume, hey, I'm looking for a new job. Do you have something for me? And it happened that, yes, he had an open position. So I just, yeah, <laughs> it was luck, basically, to be right there at the right moment. So how long were you there? It was about three years, something like that? Yeah, uh, a bit more than three years, um, I think, yeah. So, so at that time, it was VMware, not Pivotal yet. Right. So it was just right after, uh, you know, G21, the company that Guillaume Graham uh, founded, was bought by SpringSource. SpringSource was acquired by VMware. So when I joined, it was already VMware. Mm. And uh, after, yeah, one year or two, I don't remember exactly, it became Pivotal. So that was the, the, the period where I was, yeah, fully developing the Groovy compiler, basically. You've made a lot of commits during that time. You were working very hard on the on the language then, <laughs> as I recall. Yeah, yeah. So, so mostly uh, my main contribution during that period was the static compiler for Groovy. So that's all the compile static annotation and all the associated yes. changes. Yes. Yeah. The, so the static compiler traits, more AST transformations, obviously bug fixes. Yeah, traits have become remarkably important lately. I've noticed that a lot of the changes in Grails, especially uh, in Grails 3. It's either 3.1 or 2, they're actually switching over to GORM 5 and they've replaced almost everything dynamic with traits now. Yes. At least that's what I've heard. And of course, that's going to tie into our discussion later about what's going on with Gradle and the static versus dynamic compilation. But yes. before we get there, so. When um, Pivotal announced they were no longer going to be supporting Groovy, uh, I suppose we all found out about it at the beginning of January next, uh, last year, and that everybody had to leave by the end of March. I, I hope they gave you more notice than that. Yeah, so we were actually lucky compared to other people in, uh, in Pivotal that got um, yeah, fired at the same time, because we had, we had actually six months uh, where we knew that uh, Pivotal would drop support for Groovy, but it was for us to have some time to prepare 
the future of Groovy. So preparing migration to a new company or a foundation, whatever. So we had yeah, effectively six months, not three months. So it gave us some time to finish what we were working on at that time. So for me, it was mainly finishing Groovy 2.4 and the Android support at the time. At what point did you decide to join? I keep wanting to call them Gradleware. I know it's Gradle Inc. But at what point <laughs> did you decide you want to join them? Uh, so I, I took the decision pretty late, actually. So I waited until the last moment. So um, yeah, until the, 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 the last days of that three months period, we still didn't have found any new sponsor for Groovy. Uh, grades didn't have OCI either at that time, so yeah, it was complicated for us. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave the the, the Groovy community that way. So I wanted to wait until the last moment. And when we saw that, yeah, obviously nobody wanted to pay for Groovy, for developing Groovy at least. Uh, then yeah, I started to to find something else, and and yeah, Gradle was pretty natural for me. I mean, for anybody in the Groovy community, Gradle is super important. So yeah, that's so you, how we decided to join. You joined there in the in the spring of last year, something like that? It's been, yeah, it's been a year now. I, I think it was April or May last year. Yeah, so. Well, congratulations. <laughs> First anniversary. <laughs> Uh, now, let's cover one other thing before we get to the big topic. Uh, mm -hmm. You are giving multiple presentations at GreatConf in yes. Copenhagen next week. Uh, do you want to just mention a couple lines about each of the ones you're talking about? Yes. So, so, so the first one is uh, totally Groovy related, and it's the, a talk about the internals of the Groovy compiler. So how from sources you get to runtime. So how it is compiled, what is a parser, uh, how do you generate bytecode that is static or dynamic, all that kind of stuff. So it's called a deep dive into the Groovy compiler. Mm -hmm. so that's the first one. Uh, and I have two other talks that are Gradle related. So one is about uh, the introduction to what we call the new software model in Gradle. So that's going to be the, the future configuration model of Gradle. Well, we'll talk about that maybe later. And uh, the last one is also about that software model, but more specific to dependency management. And it's about variant-aware dependency management. So uh, typically today, when you build an application, I know you know Android, of course, but in Android, typically you have multiple variants of the single application you have. Right variants for uh, different binaries, uh, well, different architectures. Uh, you want a paid version, you want a free version. So you have multiple variants of an application, but not all dependencies are the same for all variants. So uh, Gradle, the new software model, supports that kind of dependency management. So I'm going to explain how you, you can do it with Gradle. So in, as you say, in Android, you've got build types and what they call flavors, and then a yes. variant is composed of a combination of a build type and a flavor. Are, are you saying that they're going to bring that basic capability to Gradle as a whole? Yes. So it's already in Gradle. Uh, most oh. people don't know it. No, I had no idea. <laughs> it's, uh, it's what we call incubating, so you can try it. Uh, we don't, we don't 
put a lot of focus on it now because we still have lots of work to do to make it rock solid. But yeah, the, the idea is that you can have custom variant dimensions. So you, you talked about the build type, you talked about the flavor, but potentially in your application, you would have another kind of variant dimension and uh, Gradle supports that, yes. I had no idea that was there. I, I knew you could make your own configuration, but I didn't realize there was actually a DSL that, that worked with the variant approach. I'm looking forward to that talk. I want to see how that works. Cool. Of course, that brings us to the inevitable discussion, which was um, when Hans, doctor, the head of Gradle Incorporated, is it last week? Has it been a week already? Yes. It was last wow. Tuesday. Last Tuesday, uh, to many people's surprise, made a presentation at, of all places, a Kotlin user group in California, uh, where he announced that in the future, Gradle will be supporting Kotlin as an alternative build language, and that even more than that, it's going to be the preferred language going forward for building plugins. Is that a reasonable summary? That's a totally reasonable summary, yes. Now, were you involved in any of that particular process? Did you Were you involved in that part of Gradle? So I wasn't involved in that uh, development or discussion, so I was aware that it was going on, obviously. And uh, I gave some, uh, I gave my opinion about what we could do, uh, what was, the, what were the problems with the Groovy approach today, what we could do to improve the Groovy situation today. Uh, but in any case, the, the experiment was decided independently. So yeah, it was, at first it was really an experiment and trying to see if we could do it. And it came out that it had a lot of benefits. So it eventually became something real. Did you know any Kotlin before any of this was decided or is that when you decided yes. to pick up the language? No, no, no. I had, I had tried uh, Kotlin before. Uh, it, yeah, actually, uh, I, I had tried it maybe two years ago already. It wasn't, it wasn't Wano at that time. It was already right. interesting, and uh, I had a discussion with the Svetlana. I don't remember her name. It was Svetlana, one of the the engineers that that is working on coupling, and it was at a conference in Poland that was named MCE. And actually, it was more or less the same time as I was discussing about Groovy for Android. And I was presenting about Groovy on Android. And uh, yeah, Kotlin was already involved in that area at that time. And they were already doing some nice, really nice things with the, with the language. So, I, uh, so for those who are not aware, I mean, Kotlin is... I don't want to say proprietary, but it was created by JetBrains, yes. uh, the, the same people who make the IntelliJ IDEA IDE, as well as many, many other tools in that area. And of course, it, it works beautifully inside their IDE, but it's a statically typed language, but it does have modern features like lambdas and others. Is there anything else you want to say about it as a highlight? Yeah, so if I would summarize the language, I would say it's a mix of uh, everything that is good in Groovy and uh, everything that is good in Scala, basically. So if you take the, if you take on the bad parts of uh, Java, Scala, then you have Kotlin, basically. 
The only part of that I, I might object to is that it leaves out all the dynamic capabilities in Groovy, which a lot of yes. people find very, very useful. Yeah. Yes. It is okay. a totally yeah. static language, and it's totally focused on that. Now, when there was a little bit of a, I don't know if I'd say outcry, but it, the, this development took the Groovy community by surprise, to say the least. I don't think anybody was yeah. expecting this. As a business decision on the part of, um, of Gradle, it's an interesting one because my sense is that Kotlin, while it's been around for a little while and is at 1.0, is not a widely known language. I don't know of a lot of major systems that are written using Kotlin. Is that not the case? Do you know of any? Is it, is it much more pervasive than I know? So I think it's actually very popular in the Android world. So it wasn't the, the case two years ago. So when we started working on Groovy and Android and did that, we knew that Kotlin was doing the same. And uh, yeah, Kotlin was very used, but it had some uh, strong marketing and actually very smart engineers working on it and improving everything that you can improve in, a, in, in, in Android. So if you know Android development, you know that it's, it's really terrible. For If you, if you have to use Java, it's terrible. You, it's Java 5, basically. You, and it's stringly typed. It's XML. It's ugly. It's really terrible. And yeah, so, so, so what they did with Kotlin is improving that, providing some libraries that make it very pleasant to, to, to write and read applications. So it's pretty popular in that area. I don't, I don't think that it is mostly known outside of the Android world. Uh, what is interesting is that they have a Slack channel, and if you, if you, if you join the Slack uh, for for the Kotlin community, I think there's 2,800 people already. Oh. So it's yeah, it's pretty popular. I mean, I, I agree with you about the ugliness and awkwardness of Android <laughs> development in general. That's right. You don't even have any of the new Java 8 stuff, although yes. they're promising to incorporate a lot of that into the new N version. But it's a question of how much and how soon. And even so, Java has managed to do everything in the most verbose fashion possible. So it's not at all surprising that a language like Kotlin would be a very appealing. We were, of course, hoping that it would be Groovy that would be the the Swift for Android, if you will. Yes. But it looks like Kotlin has become a lot more popular. Now, it still requires a, a JVM, right? It's still a, a bytecode-based language. Yeah, so it's a bytecode-based language. But uh, so, so when you develop an application for Android, what happens is that you have the, the regular Java compiler or Kotlin compiler or Groovy compiler that generates regular Java bytecode. And then you have a tool that processes that bytecode to transform it to um, a, a bytecode that is understood by Android. So, right, so you have Velvic, and now it's yeah, exactly. Method. So it's art now, but yeah, it's uh, it's basically post-processing the bytecode. Yeah. So um, yeah, Kotlin requires a runtime. Groovy requires a runtime. Um, yeah, the only language that doesn't require runtime, but actually it's because the the, the, the .vim has everything bundled is it's Java. 
Right. So this doesn't this doesn't help Google with its Oracle lawsuits or anything like that. Either way, they're still tied to Java and the virtual machine idea, even if they keep evolving what that means ultimately. So yes. I was thinking maybe originally Kotlin might be an alternative to, to Groovy because it helped with the lawsuits, but I don't see that at all then. So there are multiple points that make it, uh, well, that I think made Kotlin win somehow that uh, against Groovy on Android. It is, so the first thing is that when we released uh, Groovy for Android, the that was exactly when we had the end of support for from Pivotal. So what I had time to do is just making it work. But we didn't have any of the libraries goodness that you can have uh, make it, because the language is nice, but if you, if you don't have the libraries, it's nothing. You know, it's exactly okay. like Groovy is nice, but if you remove all the JK methods, well, it's not useful. So we needed those libraries. We needed maybe more AC transformations to make it nice. So there is an open source project that is called Swiss Knife that does that, but it's really something that is maintained by, uh, I think it's maybe two or three people. So it's not a lot compared to the army of people that they have a company to develop lots of things in lots of the different directions. So the libraries is super important and that's probably where we lost the battle. Well, the, the context also matters is that when Google decided to uh, move to Android Studio, Android Studio, of course, is a scaled down free version of IntelliJ. Once again, you're back to JetBrains having their own language that automatically has integration and a lot of capabilities, plus they're interested in funding the development of that language. So again, it was partly just the context they were in that led to that. I, I'm not surprised to hear that. Now, when the controversy came out, it's because during Hans's presentation, he was suggesting that the problems with uh, using Groovy inside of Gradle involved both uh, scaling and IDE integration. And I know many, well, advocates of dynamic languages like Clojure who would have immediate objections to the scaling argument, you know, who believe that, that dynamic languages can scale as well or better than, than static ones. In fact, that scaling is largely a question of architecture rather than language commitments. And if you're talking about IDE integration, well, of course, IntelliJ is going to integrate well with their own language. That's when you decided to put out your blog post. And can you summarize a couple of the features of that blog post? And then I'll, I'll ask you a couple of questions about that. Yeah, sure. So, so I wrote a blog post, I think it was two or three days ago. Mm -hmm. um, that gave my, what I call my personal perspective on that story of supporting Gradle, uh, Kotlin and Gradle. While on the other hand, I am a groovy committer, an Apache groovy committer. So it was kind of awkward situation. So I'm trying to explain why Gradle decided to um, to embrace Kotlin, to support Kotlin, and to, to give, a, at least try to give an objective point of view for that. And because, yeah, I, I was honestly a bit tired of reading all that negative feedback from the Groovy community. And I had the chance to yeah, I had the chance to, to know about that move for more than three months now. So, yeah, I had time to settle down and think about it and, and make some experiments. And, yeah, basically, I, 
I, I know what is doable with Groovy, I know what is doable with Kotlin, and uh, yeah, I understand the decision, basically. Well, one, of, one of the things I got from your blog post is that you made the point that using the dynamic capabilities in Groovy often boiled down to uh, method missing and winding up throwing exceptions in order to create a DSL, is that a lot of Groovy's fundamental underlying capabilities involved exception handling in cases that were not strictly necessary and that this led to a lot of inefficiencies. Is that how yes. you would say it? Yes, so, so when, the, when the, the Gradle DSL was designed, uh, there wasn't any static Groovy at that time. So, so, so everything is dynamic. From a yeah, if you have a build script and inside a build script you see task, obviously task is not something that is defined in that context, so you have to resolve that dynamically. But you also have extensions, you have the what we call the convention objects, you have this, the properties that are in um, you know the Gradle.properties file, you can access them directly in a build script. So everything is a chain of lookups, basically. And it's it's not the fault of Groovy, it's a capability of Groovy to make it possible to resolve everything at runtime. But it has a, a very important cost, very important, that is um, basically the way the Groovy DSL was designed is around property missing, method missing, and this this is terrible for performance, basically. Really? I mean, I, I've seen method missing and property missing overridden in other languages. I mean, a lot of the Grails dynamic finders work like that for a while. I never saw it involve exception handling. I thought it was just an override of a method and then handling things locally. Yes, but so, so the problem is more visible if you have a lot of nested clashes. So if you imagine that you have a configuration block, you have dependencies and inside, or maybe say source set, and inside you have main, and inside main you have something else, something else. When you're at the, the deepest level and something is missing, actually the deepest closure will throw method missing exception. That is oh. going to be captured at the upper level until someone answers, hey, okay, I know how to handle that message. But actually you throw a lot of exceptions before reaching that point. So those exceptions end up always being captured and you throw them for nothing. And actually what happens is that you throw a lot of exception and you fill the stack trace because yeah, throwing is an exception is cheap. What really is costly is the uh, filling the stack trace for that exception. Really? So, so some grains, they, it, it was Larry, actually, uh, Larry Hattari, who is also working for Gradle today. So he had seen that problem in Grace a few years ago, and they fixed that somehow. So they, they use techniques to avoid filling the stack trace, that kind of stuff. But it's very complicated to implement. Um, yeah, it, it can have a really a, a very significant impact on performance. So I think it was, it was a very bad design decision in the origins of Groovy to rely on exception for flow control, basically. Everybody will tell you it's a terrible idea to do it. And the the, the, the roadmap of Groovy 3 was initially to have, you know, that famous meta protocol version 2. Right. And to get rid of those exceptions because we know it's terrible for performance. So 
that was the plan, and it would probably have been implemented with uh, Invoke Dynamic or whatever uh, if we had sponsorship for that. But uh, now not, nobody is working on that. We can't. We're still paying for the pivotal decisions. I mean, it's amazing <laughs> how much bang for the buck they've gotten out of their decision out of that, which hopefully was all inadvertent. Um, but what you're, you know, then the argument would be is that rather than adopting a completely different language, they could have taken the time to fund the development of that alternative mechanism, as you say, the alternative mop, which would have solved that problem and allowed them to continue to use Groovy. Uh, why do you suppose they decided to go to a different language rather than, you know, working on the language that they were already well established with? So there are two uh, two aspects of that. So the first one is that uh, designing the new meta object protocol is it's a very very difficult work and it implies a lot of development. Um, even if I was involved in that, it would probably be full time on it and not only me on it. So it's a very, yeah, it would cost a lot. So I think a cheaper solution would be that you, to, to have the statically compiled Groovy DSL for that. And that is the experiment that I made. Uh, so the, the idea is to, to have statically compiled Groovy Gradle scripts. And that works. Yeah, basically it works. And then the problem is not really it's not really the, we know that we can do it. You know, we know that we can have a statically compiled Gradle DSL. The problem is more that the ID support is not there. So we have ID support for IntelliJ. Uh, IntelliJ recognizes typically the delegates to methods, that kind of methods that are meant to improve static compilation and improve ID support. But uh, the problem mostly is not IntelliJ, it's really Eclipse. So Groovy Eclipse is not maintained anymore. So for more than a year now, since basically the, the people told me, uh, I warned a lot about that problem. That is, right. we absolutely need someone to take over the development of Groovy Eclipse or Groovy is going to die, basically. That's my, yeah, that's my opinion, just because a lot of people are forced to use Eclipse. So if you don't have IDE support, the language is basically dead. So I wish that someone is going to take over the development of Groovy Eclipse sometime in the future. Okay. I, I don't know that, I mean, I agree that the lack of support of Groovy Eclipse is very important. I yes. also understand that it's hard to get someone to do that because most of the developers I know who are you know, capable of handling projects of that size, use IntelliJ, you know, because <laughs> they generally have the freedom to choose and therefore they, they choose yeah. the one that's already pretty mature. So, I mean, Pivotal had a vested interest because they had their own IDE. And once that went away, that was a problem. I don't know that I agree that without the Groovy Eclipse support, you're going to have serious issues with the language in general. I do agree that it's a serious perception problem, uh, but that's a that's a topic that will definitely come up at the at GradeConf as well as at the Gradle Summit as well as many others. What concerns yep. me again about the the whole decision to uh, use Kotlin inside Gradle is that say I'm a developer at a company, I'm a Java developer. I don't know anything other than Java, and my company decides to adopt Gradle. 
then the question is, oh, do I learn Groovy? Do I learn Kotlin? Do I learn both? I'm not sure what the answer to that question is right now, or at least what the answer to that question will be in six months. Do you have a sense of that yet? Yeah. So part of my, uh, well, when I finished my blog post, actually, I wanted to, to finish with a positive note, and I, I wanted to, to, to say that even if we use Kotlin, uh, it remains a DSL for build authors. And part of my job at Gradle will be to make sure that it doesn't turn into build spreads on our, that, that is Kotlin classes, basically. I don't want to, to see too many types. I don't want to see uh, imports. I don't want to see all that kind that make um, a build script look like code because this is not what Gradle is. Gradle is, is a language to automate builds and, and it is specific and you don't have to be a Java developer to, to do that. You don't have to be a Groovy developer to do that. Even, even Groovy developers, when they read that code, sometimes they just don't understand how it works. I mean, and they don't have to. That's my opinion for a decent. I don't think people have to understand how it works. What they want is basically ID support. They want to, to, to do completion and then I am inside a dependencies block. I want to know what I can put inside that block. You know, it's nothing more than that. And uh, yeah, so, so part of my job is to do that and to make sure that the, the build scripts are readable and uh, we're going to, yeah, we're going to manage to do that. Even though the Kotlin scripts basically today, they look pretty much exactly like the groovy ones. It is, it is very similar. Well, I, I would submit that one of Gradle's best features, one of the reasons that it's it's so rapidly taking over, is that every build is ultimately a custom build. Every build requires you to do something to make it unique to your system. And that while the DSL is helpful, I don't think I've seen a significant Gradle build that didn't have some custom Groovy code in it somewhere to say, yes. well, you know, I mean, that did not just restrict itself to the DSL. Yeah, uh, so, just, so that's 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 totally correct and that's a good point because that's also one of the reasons why we moved to Kotlin and uh, the, um, well first of all for those who didn't know about the Kotlin move uh, I'd like you to, to reassure people that Groovy support is not going to disappear so it's not tomorrow that you're going to have to be forced to migrate your builds to Groovy will work for a lifetime we're still investing in that. Uh, possibly, maybe we're going to support statically compiled Groovy scripts. It's, it's also an option. Kotlin is really an option today. And yeah, so, so just wanted to say that because it's important to say it. Groovy is well, it's going certainly, to yeah, we, we understand that. I think more the concern is that if you have a choice of learning one or the other, just the fact that it supports Groovy and yet it recommends Kotlin, especially for plugins, is going yes. to—it's going to make it far less likely that we'll be getting new people in the Groovy community because yeah. they learned Gradle. You know, and yeah, for yeah, me yeah. personally, Kotlin. that's an issue. Yeah, yeah, I know it. Yeah, that's but true. Now, on the other I mean, hand, what you're saying is is that the IDE integration is an overwhelmingly large issue as opposed to some of these others. And I suspect that's where the debate will be played out over the next few months. I am yes. wondering, I'm looking forward to talking to Hans and finding out whether he expected the reaction 
that he's gotten from the groovy community. And, and you know, I, don't, I wonder if this has taken anybody by surprise. Uh, did you expect the uh, reaction that you got? I expected worse. <laughs> really? Okay. Yes. Well, it is a very friendly group. I mean, that's probably the best feature of, of Groovy is the community. Yeah. I've always felt that. Uh, and everybody is uh, always trying to make everything work. Uh, I think right now most people have accepted that this is going to happen and that we're kind of in a wait-and-see mode to see how it plays out long-term. Yeah. Um, so, so, I, go ahead. Yeah, so, so when I was saying that the, 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 the custom code was part of the – idea to migrate to Kotlin, uh, it's actually one uh, one important part of the decision process because as soon as you have code in your build, at some point you're going to migrate it to a plugin. You're going to make it the proper plugin, test it. Your bid logic has to be tested somehow. Does it, it's not different from a regular program. You, you want the build to be something that is tested, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a plugin and one of the issues we have today is that once you move a class from the build script to the plugin, you have to change the way you write it. Even if you use Groovy, you know, it's right. not the same way to do it. Just because the, when you're in a build script, actually you, you rely a lot on, on the dynamic aspects of Gradle. Whereas as soon as you move that into a class and build a proper class for a plugin, you switch to good old regular Java-like development, and you don't have all the goodness of the uh, dynamic scripts, and it could be, yeah, it's it's also more likely that you would want to have the better performance using the, the plugins, so you will use CompileStatic, and then you have the problem that you don't have the completion, the, even the compiler doesn't understand the clauses, just because it's, yeah, it's dynamic, so it doesn't work, so it's very hard to optimize. And um, the idea with Kotlin is more to have a, a single API that lets you write the plugins exactly the same way you write the, the build scripts. So that was part of the design decision. And what I explain in my blog post is actually that we could do the same for Groovy. It, it is not different. The, 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 the way... The problem to today is not really the fact that we're using Groovy. It's it's really the, the APIs that are in Gradle are not uh, they're not friendly for static languages. Definitely not friendly for them. So when the the Kotlin experiment was started, there wasn't any decision from Hans or from anybody in the company to have a, a statically compiled Groovy script because yeah, nobody had the idea to do it. The idea was more from the JetBrain guys, and they said, okay, I think we can do better with a static language, and better in terms of uh, ID support, better in terms of completion, and here is how we would do it. And then you said, oh, yes, that's an interesting idea. Let's do it. So we have to change the APIs, and then it makes us realize how our APIs suck for dynamic languages, for static languages, so even for static Groovy, it was not friendly. So yeah, that's more or less how it happened concretely. It wasn't some kind of dark magic in action just to to get rid of Groovy. You know, it's really something that that was incrementally built and say, okay, this is really something really interesting, and we must do it. Well, that that's certainly. I mean, still companies follow their incentives. It's not at all surprising that a company whose primary 
source of revenue is an IDE is going to favor a language that gives them the best IDE support. And it's also not surprising that a statically typed language is a lot easier for IDEs to work with than a dynamically typed language. So I'm not at all surprised to hear that JetBrains, A, came up with Kotlin in the first place, and B, sees all these places where it could be used that would be very productive for them. If your primary goal is IDE integration, then certainly that's going to work. But we'll... What will play out in the marketplace in the future is how these alternatives are going to work with Gradle. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to resolve that during this discussion right now. <laughs> um, but I do want to say I find you a, a, a remarkable individual and in that you are the only person I know who was both involved in the pivotal decisions and or affected by the pivotal decisions and now by the Gradle decisions. You have been uh, just had a very interesting career over the past few years. Yes. <laughs> I honestly hope your life gets much quieter in the future. <laughs> That's funny. So with that, I'll say thank you very much for appearing. I do, again, I very much appreciate your blog post highlighting some of the technical issues. I also would suggest that the the understanding of Groovy and things like that is very different inside the community than outside the community, but I'll be talking about that at at GreatConf as well. So I look forward to seeing you there. You're also on that panel discussing the future of Groovy at GreatConf, right? Yes, I am, yeah. Yeah, so, so that I, I, I can imagine that a lot of discussions will be around that decision. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a very lively discussion, to say yes. the least, and we'll be sure to talk about that as well. So, uh, thank you very much for making the time to come on the on the podcast. Welcome. Is there anything else that I left out? Anything you wanted to say before we before we wrap up? Just if anybody has any question or um, about that decision, I'm happy to discuss with them and explain. And yeah. It's, it's not an issue for me. Right. That, well, thank you very much. I appreciate your openness about this, and I look forward to seeing how the discussion plays out in the future. So you take care. Uh, thank you very much, and, and I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. See you. Bye. Bye-bye.